0: Nothing shuts down innovation faster than fear or the inability to express yourself. Get in there quickly, figure out if it works, if it works, replicate, and if not, let's figure out how to move on.
1: What we've seen, actually, is this sort of cultural shift to the idea of getting people from different parts of the company together to solve problems. So it was a sort of a new muscle for us.
2: I've spent the last four years talking to people about joy at work. And here's one thing I've learned when there's big, exciting change happening, you don't have to look too far to find the joy. Welcome to Joy at Work. I'm your host, Alex Liu, Managing Partner and Chairman at Kearney. This season on Joy at Work, we're exploring the link between innovation and joy. Today, we have a very special episode for you, recorded on site at the Association of National Advertisers the ANA's Masters of B2B conference in Scottsdale, Arizona, back in May. Several members of our Carney team were there at the conference, listening to marketing leaders talk about their big innovative initiatives inside their companies. And we had a hunch, where there's innovation, there's gotta be joy. Turns out, we were right. We talked to four marketing leaders about how they're creating joy at work, even and especially during these times of major change. First, we talked to Emily Ketchin at Lenovo. When I think about innovation, I immediately think about technology companies. So I am fascinated by how teams at Lenovo use the practice of fupan, a Chinese term borrowed from chess, to quickly identify what's working as they innovate. And they don't just focus on what's going well. They quote unquote, celebrate the red or the struggling projects too. I'll let Emily tell you about it.
0: My name is Emily Ketchin and I am the CMO for the Intelligent Devices Group here at Lenovo. So I think inherently joy comes from curiosity, the notion of taking the complex and making it simple, I find that very joyous, especially in an area like technology, which can be inherently pretty complicated in terms of innovation. One of the things that we do very often is we spend time working on our process of innovation through a deep review of how projects have gone. In our company, we call it Fupon, and that is in Mandarin, it means to replay the chessboard. And what a fantastic tool that has been for us. It is a way that we come together with this space and the latitude to learn and discuss what worked, what didn't. It's not about finger pointing. It's genuinely about coming together as teams who are inherently focused on innovation and the process of innovation to make it better and to truly learn what we could have done better and therefore foster innovation top to bottom. I will say that I think the process has led to quite a bit of success. We are widely recognized for innovation in our industry and I think it ladders nicely back to this environment Environment and priority around examining what worked and what didn't. And interestingly, that can be a very joyous process. It can have tension. It can have moments of discomfort. But at the end of the day, when you're all working towards making things better and you have that latitude and genuine openness, makes a huge difference. It's, I think, a way to really grow innovation in companies. Nothing shuts down innovation faster than fear or the inability to express yourself. And so I love that about the organization in terms of leading. A lot of companies have a very simple way of managing projects, the green, the yellow, and the red. And what I have found in the course of my career is lots of greens, some yellows, and not that many reds. And when things work really well in organizations is when you celebrate the red and you encourage teams to come together to table the issues they are struggling with, to look at leaders or team members around the table and to ask the question, what will each of us do to help to solve this problem? How will each of us contribute to the solution, not 25 more questions, belittling the person, driving the dialogue down to an uncomfortable and unnecessary place because it doesn't solve the problem, and at the end of the day, if you're not open to celebrating the red, your teams won't tell you the truth, and they won't tell you when there is a real crisis, and they won't tell you when they're struggling, and then it's too late. And as a leader, keeping your eye on that ball, talking about that, empowering your people to raise their hands, empowering people to have a really rough foupon that I just talked about, is all good that's how companies make progress. And that's how, in my humble opinion, great leaders stand out. They're not afraid to ask the hard questions and they recognize we're all in this together every day. One of the areas and sources of the greatest joy for me at Lenovo has been the incredible entrepreneurial spirit. It really was a beautiful surprise to me. I was quite impressed that in a company of 60, 70,000 employees, people feel this sense of empowerment and ownership. I have an idea. I'm going to pitch my idea. But there's this beautiful, beautiful empowerment that comes from the company that says, if you believe and we believe, let's give it a shot. And then let's Foupon and learn what we need to learn and either replicate or take the lesson. And it's so refreshing and rewarding and empowering because what it cuts out is the endless review cycles. Get in there quickly, figure out if it works, if it works, replicate. And if not, let's figure out how to move on.
2: Next, we'll hear from Jeff Lowe. Like Emily, Jeff leads marketing at a technology company. But when he thinks about joy, he thinks about a different word, purpose.
3: My name is Jeff Lowe, and I'm the chief marketing officer at Smart Technologies based in Calgary, Canada. Smart is a global technology company fairly well known for being the inventor of the smart board, which is in schools all over the world, and we're also in the corporate collaboration space. I was actually intrigued about the concept of joy at work. It's not something that... I often explicitly think about or talk about. However, we talk about purpose all the time. Purpose-based organization, purpose-based culture, purpose-based company. And I think the concept of purpose and connectedness to joy is absolutely there. I mean, we have our purpose of smart, our why. We call Inspire Greatness. It's what we believe. We believe there's inherent greatness in every learner, in every student, in every teacher. And at the end of the day, we're a tech company, and tech doesn't solve The world's problems, but technology used by a great teacher in a certain way can make an impact. And that's really what we believe. When you get a team of people who are equally as driven and passionate about you and in a purpose-based organization, really care about making a difference in the world. And we're fortunate to be a purpose-based organization that helps uh, children and helps teachers and learners all over the world. When you have that connection with people, it's an incredible source of joy in and of itself. When you wake up before the alarm because you're really excited about what you're going in to do. And then you have people around you in a similar mindset. That's a very cool thing. Having that network of people who have that same passion and purpose of you that literally live all around the world. That's my biggest source of joy.
2: Knowing your purpose is one thing, but bringing it to life is a lot harder. The company recently reorganized. It was a dramatic change and with a simple goal to refocus every single employee's work on delivering that purpose and to meet customers where they are.
3: When you look at the customer, customers have fundamentally changed how they behave over the past 5, 10, 15 years. Most corporations haven't in terms of there's still marketing and there's still sales and there's still service and they're still siloed. How do we try to keep up with the customers who are incredibly savvy, incredibly digital and more and more complex every day with how big the buyer group's getting? I think that demands a lot of companies to continue to innovate around that. We took a look at a model of having a traditional sales force and marketing team and customer service team just like most companies in the world and really challenge ourselves to say, is that really customer centric? With the rise of digital and customers can do pretty much everything themselves nowadays and they don't really care if they're dealing with sales or marketing or customer service. It's just your brand. And so we reorganize half of our company. So the front end of our company, what we call the commercial side of our company into something we call the unified commercial engine. And so we don't have a formal sales and marketing and customer service team anymore. We have commercial teams. They're basically organized around customer roles. So it's very, very different. It's directly organizing around being helpful to the customer. As you can probably imagine, you just don't do something like that overnight. That was a couple of years ago, and we're still, learning but we've certainly seen huge gains as a result of that and people are happier people are much more enriched we've basically broadened people's perspective of what it is we're doing and they understand each other better they understand the customer better there's better career opportunities for them our business results are up across the board it opened people's eyes into the broader perspective of what goes on in the company versus just running their leg of the race
2: When we talked to Heather Malinchik, she shared her purpose, doing meaningful work in the service of others.
1: My name is Heather Malinchik. I'm the SVP and Chief Marketing Officer for Land O'Lakes, Inc., based in Minnesota. I think the bottom line for me is having meaningful work. So being able to serve others and do something for the greater good and not just selling products to people. So in the case of Land O'Lakes, we're a farmer and ag retailer-owned cooperative, and so we're working on behalf of our farmers and our retailers every day, and the money that we make goes back into the country, and that's really important because these are folks who serve their communities, who are often in communities that are undervalued, Valued and underserved, So it's really important that we're doing something and doing that really good work in the world. That gives me joy. I practice the principles of servant leadership. I think of myself as a servant leader and I tell my team all the time that I'm there to enable them to do their best work of their career and get out of the way and let them do that. So that's kind of how I lead with my team. I reflect back, I've always been something of an integrator or aggregator of people, whether my role being an individual contributor, but what I would try and do is bring people from the organization together to solve problems. It's kind of been a little bit of a hallmark of what I've done over the years, so I think we do better in teams. I think we do better together, so that's been sort of a theme throughout my career, even from the early days. I get a lot of energy and a lot of joy from working with people and helping people solve problems. And it's really more than just land and lakes, it's about our farmers, but it's also about these are big world. Problems that our industry can help solve. And so we call ourselves a convener brand. So I'm thinking of myself as a convener leader, but we call ourselves a convener brand because we can't write big checks because our money goes back to our farmers and the communities. But what we can do is use our voice. It's about how do we help solve some of these big, big problems that we've got.
2: Land of Lakes is focused on solving problems that matter to their farmers, like feeding the world and connecting rural communities. But bringing people together to solve problems, it's not always easy. And in Heather's case, She had to figure out how to push people beyond their usual polite ways of working to really challenge each other and develop something new, to work through collaboration, not consensus.
1: So I think it was part of our culture and everybody, again, we're a Midwest company. We're very humble in our approach and we're very Minnesota nice. We like people to be happy with the result that we have. So I think we've just sort of fallen a little bit into that, certainly in some cases within marketing. I think the key thing for us was creating the environment and then people got very uncomfortable because we would throw and challenge things. But slowly what happened is... People would then get brave enough to throw out an idea. And then people would be like, I like that. Let me build on that a little bit. And we just created an energy that I think built some momentum. And so we slowly got into this rhythm where we got to a point where I was so proud of the team because we had people from finance and operations and manufacturing and everything coming together. And we were just playing off of each other and people felt good about it. So what we've seen actually is a more of a this sort of cultural shift to the idea of getting people from different parts of the company together to solve problems, which I'm not saying it didn't happen before, but it didn't happen nearly as often. So it was a sort of a new muscle for us. And we talk a lot about collaboration, not consensus, and what that actually means. And everybody has a voice, everybody needs to be heard. But at some point, we're going to make a decision on something. And that's really important for us to be able to move forward. Again, we've built a muscle on the team now that we can, and I think it was good to show the team that it's not always good. You don't always get the thumbs up, this is great. So let's go back to the drawing board and try again. And now we got to a really good place.
2: Finally, the last voice you'll hear on this episode, Mike Rucker. Mike's perspective on work is touching and important.
4: I'm Mike Rucker. I lead the NBC News Brand Studio. We create branded content on behalf of the entire NBC News portfolio. When I hear the expression, joy at work, the first thing that pops into my head is how much time we spend at work. Really, truthfully, like that, when I first heard about this, when you first invited me onto the podcast, what I think of is how much of our lives is spent working. Two things in my life have really affected my idea about the role work should play in our life. The first was the pandemic. And I think it's a good thing in that companies started seeing employees is as full human beings. Mental health became a topic of conversation, which never really was talked about before. Work-life balance, all these things. And I think that's really important, but that's something that I've always been passionate about. I mean, years and years ago, I worked at a magazine called Time Out New York, and one of my mentors gave me this advice, give your people time off and don't tell anybody about it. And so I had a rule that everybody on my team got their birthday off. And at the holiday time, everybody got a weekday to go run errands and do holiday shopping. And it wasn't counted. It's a little things like that, right? I've always had that mindset. The second thing for me is that a few years ago, my husband passed away. It elicited an entire shift in in me in terms of what's really important in life. I was building on a foundation of already realizing that work is something that we do, but it's not the entirety of our lives. And then getting this other perception, this other point of view, this other perspective on the brevity of life. And again, going back to how much time we actually spend at work, it's important that we have an experience at work that is gratifying in some way. And that doesn't mean that you're going to love every minute of your job all the time. But it means that if you're not finding some sort of satisfaction or fulfillment, then you might want to consider something else. And in the pandemic, both of those things are kind of a one-two punch. And they really just solidified this idea to me that work, we're fully formed human beings. We're not just cogs in a wheel. And we have to be treated by our employers as such. And we also need to treat our teams, our colleagues as such.
2: Thank you again to Emily Ketchin, Jeff Lowe, Heather Malincheck, and Mike Rucker for sharing your stories and your perspectives on joy at work during times of major change and transformation. And I'm excited to share that my new book, Joy Works is coming this fall. I cannot wait to share this deeper exploration of joy at work with you. Joy Works is available for pre-order now wherever you buy books. Joy at Work is produced by Carney, a global management consulting firm. We help our clients reach their full potential and find the way forward during uncertain times. We're inspired by Fast Forward, Carney's breakthrough business builder. Fast Forward works with leaders across the globe to inspire new business models that enhance stakeholder value and accelerate tech-enabled growth. Learn more about the show and about our innovative work at Carney.com slash joyatwork. And if you enjoyed this show, please check out the other shows in the Kearney Podcast Network, including Inside the Mind. Carney's consumer practice leaders uncover how and why people shop today. What does our new consumer behavior mean for the future of the retail industry? And on Supply Chain Shocks, our operations partners explore how supply chains are transforming in order to meet new demands and constraints.